With the 2022-23 NBA season starting today and college basketball around the corner, my guy Leaf Tulin is coming on the show today to give some of his hot takes. Some may be a little scorching and some may not be too hot, but Leaf always has excellent analysis and, and good takes. So we're going to find out today. So find out what is Leaf's biggest hot take. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my, I don't want to call him a guest, my my, my host, co-host for today, Leaf Tulin, a guy that watches more college basketball than anyone in America. And it's been a minute, man. We haven't done a show probably since the draft. I've had a kid since then. And Things have definitely changed for me. A, a lot less sleep than I, I have. Honestly, I have not had a good night of sleep since like July 10th or something like that. Let, let me just get straight to the point. This is the main question I've been wanting to ask you for the last month or so. As a guy that works closely with the jazz, are, are you like, <laughs> are you excited about this season? Are you going to be upset? If the team wins, like if they get up to like a 500 start, like are you going to be torn? Like what what is the mindset going into the season for not only a Jazz fan, but someone that is working around the organization? I think the fan in me has embraced the fact that there needs to be a rebuild. Um, I've made this point a couple of times on Twitter recently that uh, because Odoka Azabuki was was one of the remaining, uh, remaining players, whether to be cut or not, he made the team that the franchise would be in a drastically different spot had they taken Jaden McDaniels or Desmond Bain. But now because of because, you know, you mess up a draft there, you got to embrace the drafting. And that's what Danny Ainge has turned it into. And I think I'm, I'm pretty content with that. Obviously, I'd love for the Jazz to win, but it's just unrealistic right now. And I am excited both from a professional standpoint of analyzing the draft like we do here um, with my team being in the forefront of my mind. Um, but also from the professional standpoint of working with the jazz, it'll be interesting to see how this team develops, what roles that, you know, you get to see new players come and go. And uh, I'm, I'm eager for it all. I just love basketball and, and I, I definitely wish we were winning, but I think this is the step to winning that that is necessary and may take a little bit of time, but all teams have to go through it, especially small market ones. Yeah. So what is your biggest hot take for the the jazz regarding the draft like what player if they unfortunately worst case scenario fall outside of the top two who is the guy that you feel like is not getting enough love or you feel like is the third best prospect in this draft class I think I'd need to see some more college basketball rather than high school film to give you a definitive answer of who I think is underrated. Um, but I will tell you, I think Ammon Thompson would be my, my third pick. Uh, I, I think he's the guy that I would, I would say behind scoot and, uh, and when Benyama would, would be number three. And I'd be certainly eager to see what he can do with the keys of a franchise in his pocket. All right. So let's talk about, let, let's, let's stay right there for a second. I had um, lunch with, was actually someone that works for, I'll just say a Western Conference team that is expected to be in the running for 
Scoot and Wimbayama. And uh, the question that they asked me was, what's the biggest difference between the Thompson twins? And so my, my natural answer was, I think Amin is a better passer. And so the, the front office exec says, is that based off of opportunity or is he just that much more of a better passer? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a really interesting question. And, and I, I like to analyze that type of thing of wh- what role on a team does a player play? And, and often it's like, are they, are they sacrificing stats and becoming a, and helping their team win? And therefore they're not getting the same opportunities in this case, they're on the same team and they're very comparable. And, and I think the answer to that question is, I think he is a better passer, but I don't know if it's as enormous of a gap as I think it's being, the narrative is being said. Um, he does have more chances. And I think that's because he's shown the ability to pass maybe sooner and as his main uh, defining attribute, uh, along with the athleticism that they share. So I think it is a combination of both there. Um, and I'd be eager to see if their roles were reversed, how they would both do, but I don't think that's going to happen. That's just kind of speculative thought. All right, here's a here's a hot tweet, hot take question for you. Amin Thompson shoots 35% from three this year. Is he better than Scoot Henderson? Jeez, that that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that makes it interesting. That makes it interesting. Um the way the NBA is transitioning to loving positional size, length, and obviously phenomenal athleticism, that makes it for, more, more interesting. But I'll go with the known commodity and take Scoot Henderson because I, I really do think, and I think you made this point at one point when we were talking off air um, during the draft about Scoot and Wenbanyama, and this was just like a side brief conversation, but it stuck with me, is, is that I said he reminded me a bit of Derek Rose at Memphis. And you, you said you added to it and said something about how his, his movements and angles he takes reminds you of Derek Rose at Memphis. And, and now, obviously, like early years in Chicago were such a success and injuries marred his NBA career. I can't shake that from my head. And every time I watch him, I, I, I think of just the, the ease, the grace with which he moves, the, the explosive power in which he can get to places without making it look difficult. And uh, I, I, I kind of I can't unsee that. And I think he's a no more known commodity and i think his jump shot which is kind of the question mark or was entering this year and i think it's improved greatly is less of a question mark so the 35 percent if if scoot can have a, a comparable shooting percentage i'd still lean scoot but ever so slightly yeah he's a little younger he's, he's younger and then he's also smaller so it, it kind of like you, you have to figure out which one is more important more important to you the scoots youth or Amon's positional versatility because and he's playing better competition i I value that as well i I think that him thriving against people that were former professionals parade all americans uh that that matters to me and him becoming the number one option there rather than kind of an unfounded league and, and not knowing how the competition level is we only saw two players from overtime elite kind of crack the summer league this year and and no one has stuck and i liked dom barlow and and montero got injured but I, I think the G League is becoming better than it was, and it was already a founded league. Yeah, I heard some interesting news about Montero, and the reason why he's not with the Knicks is because he still had a buyout, like a crazy big buyout with uh, Grand Canaria, which is like the same buyout he would have had if he was the first pick in the draft. So it, it didn't make any sense. And so he's going to end up back in, in Spain and in Grand Canaria. 
and they basically kind of let him go to overtime because they thought he was going to be a first round pick, high enough draft pick to where they would get the money for the buyout. So he's kind of stuck there. And, um, you know, it just kind of stinks for him, man, because he was such a, a good kid. I was, I was so high on him. I know size is is, is a big thing and it, it's tough for small guards in today's NBA, but it's been a, it's, it's been a rough year for him. But speaking of just a, a just basketball in general, college basketball, we still got a little bit of time before college basketball starts. You got one big hot take college basketball. What? team is actually we'll break this up into two what team is overrated and what team is under the radar yeah i i think with the ap poll coming out today it's a it's a really good time to take that question i think this is an interesting one the two teams that are tied ranked for fifth baylor and kansas who are both they tied for uh, first in the conference this past year i think baylor's the best team in the country and oh. uh and I think Kansas is overrated as the defending champions. All right. When we return, we Leaf is going to have to elaborate on, on that take. But I got to talk to you about LinkedIn because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, but more importantly, for free. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to much, much faster than the competition. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. And of course, terms and conditions apply. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I know I appreciate it. I'm sure Leaf appreciates it. It is. You know, we just have to thank you for making it a priority for your second listen game to game. Every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. So follow game to game on locked on NBA available on Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right. I'm Rafael Barlow. He is Leaf Tuling. He just dropped a hot take. He says that Baylor is the number one team in the country. Are you a huge Keontae George fan? Are you a huge fan of their backcourt? Why Why Baylor over Gonzaga and, and North Carolina? Uh, yes to both of those questions. I am a huge Keontae George believer, and I think backcourts are what win you the national championship. Not to rag too much on Kansas, but I think their backcourt, and I don't consider Agbaji and Brown guards on that team. Those were wings to me, but like their their point guards were the worst kind of two backcourt point guards to win a national championship since probably Florida in 2007, but that team had Corey Brewer, no, uh, Joakim Noah, and Al Horford. So that's a that's a 15-year span, and you and you go between having the worst guards. They lose their, their best two wings, Kansas, but I'll get to Baylor. Baylor has the best backcourt in the country. They, they bring back Adam Flegler, who's an all-Big 12 
um, first team preseason player. Keontae George is the freshman player of the year in the Big 12, uh, and I think he will be, but that's the that's the preseason pick as well. And they also have their leading scorer return that no one knows about, LJ Cryer. Uh, LJ Cryer missed the tournament, and that's where their, their downfall came last year. They were a number one seed, but everyone knew they were playing their worst basketball entering the tournament because James Akinjo took a larger role down the stretch because, because LJ Cryer got hurt. He was a lead scorer and played the kind of the calming role of their backcourt. Adam Flagler is a knockdown shooter. Keontae George should be their lead scorer this year. LJ Cryer's back will probably man the point guard. And Langston Love, who's a talented player, who could be a draftable player, um, should he be healthy, it can play the Adam Flagler role of two years ago when they won a championship as the fourth guard on a talented team. Their front court has experience. If Jonathan Chamwa Chachua was healthy, I think more people view them as the best team, but he will be coming back as um, is, is the expectation. Flo Thamba returns. Caleb Lohner from BYU, Jalen Bridges from West Virginia uh, transfer in. And I think they're better athletes than Matthew Meyer was. They may not be as good of shooters, but they bring size and toughness that the team lacked when they lost Mark Vidal. And uh, I think this team is, is reminiscent, not quite as good as the team that won a national championship two years ago, but I don't see any other team um, being close to them in terms of their backcourt and experience and depth combination. That's typically what wins in college basketball. And so I'm very high on the Baylor Bears. Now, do you think they have, if there's a such thing as too much depth in the backcourt, like too many guys that kind of have like these overlapping skill sets that have similarities? Because you can make a case and say they have three point guards in a sense. How do you feel they all play it. together? I love having multiple point guards. I, I think that's an underrated facet. I, I, while I said Kansas had the worst guards, they, they had two point guards on the court, and it really helped them down the stretch. They limited turnovers and put ball pressure. Um, Baylor, when they won the national championship, had Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and Macy Oteague, and they had overlapping skill sets. I don't think anyone's got the ball pressure ability of Davion Mitchell here. I mean, actually, no one's close. But they do have the ability to play together, and they play a no-middle defense that kind of prevents – teams from kind of using their plus size on a smaller team that will, they'll have three guards on the court. So their tallest one there is going to be six, four, and they're not particularly tough, uh, tough or sizable guards, but I don't think that's going to be too big of an issue. There are very few teams that have the rare blend of a wing that can really punish them for that lack of size and get to the middle middle against their no middle defense and their anchors of their defense flow Thumba and Caleb Lohner and Jalen Bridges are really test battle tested uh, bigs. And so, I think their defense would be a scare if I didn't know how they defended. And I think they're going to handle the ball well. I think LJ Cryer going out was a huge loss last year. They're going to shoot the ball among the best teams in the country from three. And uh, I, I really think that they may be the best value odd for if you're making a bet. Like I looked it up today, they're plus 1,500 to win a championship. And I think they're better than a lot of teams ranked with, with slimmer odds than them. Now, outside of Kansas's backcourt or, or lack thereof, why do you think that Kansas is overrated? Or do you think that is the reason they're overrated? Are you not a big Kevin McCullough Jr. fan? I actually love Kevin McCullough Jr. He's probably the, my favorite player on their team. I think him and Jalen Wilson are solid, but they lost Ochag Baji, who was the best player in the Big 12 last year. They lost Christian Brown, who was their kind of do-it-all ultimate glue guy. And then they lost David McCormick. Remy Martin, I, I think, has his warts. He wasn't phenomenal, but he came up big down the stretch. Dewan Harris is a scrappy, tough guard, much like Kihei Clark is for Virginia, but he's not going to lead you to a phenomenal top five record like they're supposed to have in, in these preseason polls. So you go Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, Jalen Wilson, 
And now you've got Grady Dick and Ernest Uday. I, I, I don't I don't know if I believe in those freshmen to have the loads responsible of David McCormick, Christian Brown, Ochak, Baji, and replace their production. Like, mind you, Kansas was the lowest of the one seats. They had the best draw. And, and I think, well, yes, winning a national championship is never easy, but they got the best draw and they lost their best four players. And, and, and okay, maybe three and a half. I think Jalen Wilson could really take a step. But, but you get my point. And while bringing McCuller may be a saving grace, I think there's too much responsibility put on young freshmen that I don't think are spectacular, which you need to be to replace guys like Ochai Baj and Christian Brown, who are picked 14th and 21st in the NBA draft. Now, what are your thoughts on Jalen Wilson? I'm kind of torn on Jalen because I see I see some some positives, but then I'm like, what's his NBA role? Other than the fact that he, you know, he plays hard. He rebounds. The shooting isn't there. It's like 29% career from three. He does show some flashes of being able to put the ball on the floor, but I don't think he's a good finisher around the rim. Um, I think he takes too many threes. Like 40% of his field goal attempts are three, which, you know, if if, if nearly 40% if forty of your shots are from three and you're only making 30% of them, I don't like those I just don't like that percentage what are your thoughts on on Jalen Wilson as a NBA prospect I'm a little conflicted because I I think those stats are are very accurate of what we've seen so far that he's been reliant on three-point shooting and he did not shoot well but I think they'll scheme for his strengths more this year and you'll see him cut into the rim being a predominant score that's that's schemed uh, to get the ball um, on elbows and uses size and speed advantage that he'll have over most college players. But I agree with you. I don't see a, a role in the NBA that is tailor-made for his skill set, and you don't really draft guys to be good at a few things and, and not excel at one unless they're going to be like – unless that they're unless their dominant traits um, like are, are so overwhelming that you can accept that. Um, I don't think he's going to shoot well enough to be an NBA guy. I think he can rebound well enough. That's his probably best trait for his size. He rebounds the ball phenomenally. He really attacks the ball at the top. Um, and, and defensively, I think he can guard two, two and a half positions in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a great guard, of, a defender of, of two guards, but I do think he could really defend threes and fours. Um, I think he could, he could work his way if he shoots the ball decently into a f- 45 to maybe 35 to 45 range. But I don't think he's got a first round grade, um, even if he really excels this year. Yeah, he's going to have to shoot lights out. And uh, even though he does have a positive assist to turnover ratio, I still feel like he lacks pace. If that makes sense. Like he plays a little bit out of control, one speed. And like even with his face up game, it's just so predictable in a sense. But I'm I'm kind of torn on him. I don't have him as a, a first round grade right now, but you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have have happened. All right, when we return, let's let's get some of your hot takes on this upcoming 2022-23 NBA season because it starts later on today. And we talked about your Jazz earlier, but want to get some of your your hot takes. Stay tuned. All right, Rafael Barlow here with Leaf Tulane. And we talked a little bit about the Utah Jazz. All right. So we're, we're, we're going to talk about hot takes here. Maybe not scorching hot. NBA, who is going to be or who is your choice for the rookie of the year? 
I think I'm going with Paolo Bancaro. I mean, we, we both had his number one on the board. He went number one. It's an easy kind of cop-out answer, but I do think he's got the largest role to play immediately for a team. I think I probably would have taken Chet, actually, had he stayed healthy, um, and he would have really benefited from Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I think Keegan Murray would be my second choice, but I think I'll go with Paolo Bancaro because I think the magic will be better than most anticipate. All right, that's that's a, a hot take in itself. Why do you think the Magic gonna, are going to be better than people anticipate? And before you answer that, I was at the Mavs Magic game. I guess it was last week or the week before, whatever. They had some very very weird lineups on the floor. I think at one point they had a lineup of and Franz didn't play, so I that played a role in it. But they had Bowl Bowl on the floor, Wendell Carter. I want to say Bancaro, and then it was, I think it was before he got hurt, maybe it was like Suggs and Cole Anthony. Like, what did you think about that lineup? I will I will put the the brakes on that. I don't think they're gonna be good. I think that a lot of people think they're gonna be just as bad that warranted them the number one pick. And I th- I think Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, and Paolo Bancaro are gonna make this team good enough to be not in the same kind of realm of the top five pick. Um that said, I, I agree. These lineups are a little funky. I, I don't I don't really know. I, I think that you gotta kind of keep your six players that you play the most as the youthful core because you're really not contending. I would play, you know, when Fultz is Fultz and Suggs are healthy and Cole Anthony are your three guards and your three in the front court of the three I just mentioned. And of course you have to play more than that for an NBA game. You need the depth. But I, I think kind of messing with the lineups and not developing the team chemistry between those that that key six components of your team uh i think is less than prudent but who knows uh, i crazier things have happened uh, than the magic being not awful but uh, but i think if they're going to be if they're going to be a you know a 10th pick or beyond you know in in that kind of just outside the plane or maybe scratching the surface of the plane uh, at the bottom end of that, I think they'll need to really have a good season for Paolo Bancaro. So that's kind of where my logic is for taking him as the rookie of the year. I think Keegan Murray is the is the second pick, though, and I think that one's more logical. How, how long do you think before Murray cracks the starting lineup? Because they're not starting him right now based off preseason games, if I'm not mistaken. I expect he, he starts within 15 games. 15 games. All right. How many games does Jonathan Isaac play this year? I love Jonathan Isaac. I really wish he could, if he could play, but I, I don't want to put a number on that. I, I hope he can play because <laughs> he's a really, he's a really good player. I mean, he hasn't played since the bubble. Like, no, he got, yeah, he got hurt in the bubble. Like one of the first few games. It it just seems like he has not played since he got that big contract. That's very interesting. All right, who is the first coach, in your opinion, to get canned? this season oh man um that is not one i expected to answer let me let me think on that and get back to you uh, i gotta all right I what, had, what, is, I, what is the I team that a, you think is very overrated maybe that can help you i think the blazers have potential to underwhelm but i don't think chauncey's yet on the hot seat um, I, I think there's high expectations because they made win now moves. I'm not sold on their path to success. I think there's a few teams that are made deeper playoff runs than they'll be able to in this coming year, but I don't think their coaches are on the hot seat for it. Um, so I, I don't really have anyone in mind for that one. 
Um, I, I'm curious though. I'm curious to see if you, if, do you have one that you've got in mind that you, you think is on the, on a scalding hot seat? I think if Atlanta does not get off to a good start, then I think that could be one there. I mean, it's a team that it's kind of like they got good too fast. They exceeded expectations and it kind of sped up the, the, I mean, their, their progress. So they weren't really good last year. I think they were in the play in and they ended up blowing Charlotte out. And then they, they made the move for DeMont, uh, DeJounte Murray this year. So I think that pushes the expectations up a lot higher and the East is tough. And so I think that if they get off to a slow start with the move that they made, they just spent $95 million on on Hunter. He's and a breakout now, candidate. Yeah, but now the expectations are, are, are a lot higher. So I would say Nate McMillan would be my choice for a guy that could potentially be on the hot seat if they come out the gate struggling. I don't know how fast this would happen, so it, it probably won't be the first, but I can see a world where – uh, Doc Rivers or Steve Nash are on hot seats if their team's underwhelm, and especially considering they've got what I'd consider dramatic teams, teams that have players that have been been known to kind of have have troublesome relationships with coaches, and, and they've got supreme talent and expectations that go along with that. So I think if there's a kind of mismanaged situation, team really struggles. I do think the 76ers should be good this year, like really, really have a chance to compete. But uh, I wouldn't be stunned if Doc or Steve Nash is no longer the coach after this year if one of those teams drastically underwhelms. I consider that a hot take. What about out West? You kind of mentioned Portland. I am a Blazers fan. I have already seen Blazers fans talking about firing Chauncey Billups. What What is your thought on Portland? Because I'm torn because, like you said, they made win-now moves. But... Is it, is it enough? Like what? Like I, I'm confused on the direction. I think Shaden Sharp, who I was kind of iffy on because I didn't have a lot of good intel on him, but I knew he was very talented. He looks to be the real deal. But like, I'm just confused. Like, do you end up playing him a lot of minutes or do you not play him in a sense because you're trying to win now? So what what is your thoughts on on the Blazers? First of all, do you have them as a playoff team? I haven't made a list yet. I, I have to do an over unders with my cousins. Uh, we make one every year, and I, I've kind of been putting it off and trying to think about it. But I would say they can make the playoffs, but they won't be higher than the seven seed. And I wouldn't be stunned if they're not in the playoffs and they're in the play in. Um, I think there's six teams that are definitively better than the Blazers, so it's between seven through nine for me. Um, and, and many things can happen if Damian Lillard obviously is, isn't healthy. That team drastically falls off. Like they're more dependent on one player than just about any team. Um, so I would probably put them at the eight spot. Actually, I'm trying to do the mental math real quick. I'd go eight or nine for the Blazers. So I'm they're really on the fence for me, and I, I don't expect them to seriously contend at all, which is why those moves were the step in the right direction because you know where they have to be. They have to please their star and Damian Lillard, but it, but they're a little bit puzzling from a long-term standpoint. Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right. Last, I guess is more so of a prediction and the hot take. What rookie outside of the lottery is going to have the biggest impact? That is a good question. Um, 
while I while I think of a really good answer to that one, Trey Murphy from last year, just outside the lottery, is going to have a a near near play uh, most improved player in the year type of season. I'm I'm really buying his chances to succeed for the Pelicans, and I'm thinking about the answer to your your first question right now. And uh, so does he start? Does Trey start? I think I think he's going to be the sixth man. But I, but I really, I, I, I was super high on him last year for a long, long time. So I guess I'm pushing my, uh, my, my agenda a little bit. But I, the opportunity, they're going to get such good shot quality. They turned Herb Jones, who was a seven percent three point shooter at Alabama his junior year, into a near forty percent shooter in the NBA. And Herb's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. But Trey Murphy is a far, far better shooter, and he's going to get very similar shots with Zion Williamson, maybe even making those better shots. So I, I think he could be the best three point shooter in the NBA percentage wise. And uh, maybe maybe a little push for like a Cam Johnson, but maybe better uh, type of type of season. And I'm trying to think of your your initial question, but I really wanted to get that out that one off my chest. That was my hottest take. Um, well, who's your answer? And I probably will have a different one. I, I'm just trying to jog my jog my thinking about uh about the the best rookie this year that's not a lottery pick. Uh, I mean, I think you may have to go with locally with Kessler Walker. His name was it Walker Kessler. Walker I get confused <laughs> every time. I think I I'm ready to say the name. I'm like, no, it's the other way. It's the other way around. I think that he's going to play a lot of minutes. And if there's one franchise that respects rim protectors and shot blockers, I mean, you had Mark Eaton, you had Rudy Gobert, and I mean. I mean, if he gets ran off the floor because he can't defend in space, is it? I mean, it helps the team lose games. And I think that he has a chance statistically to put up some pretty good numbers, especially when you consider rebounds and blocks. And if he gets 12 points and 10 rebounds and two blocks, I wouldn't be surprised. He's been good in the preseason. I, I, I've, got, I've got two that I like. One one I considered a lottery pick, and I totally blanked. Tari Eason at 17. It's, that's really close. I think he's going to be phenomenal. So that's my definitive answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if there's one that's further away from the lottery, I think Blake Wesley may take another year, but I think he's better than Malachi Branham, who they took at 20 for the Spurs. And the Spurs, like you said, it's all about opportunity. And they're going to have a lot of opportunity, who I think is one of the only teams that I can say with confidence may be worse than the Jazz. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be there's going to be some chances for Blake Wesley to thrive. And then one that's a further down is I, I think uh, Kendall Brown, one a guy I was pretty high on throughout the draft process. He slipped all the way to 48 for the Pacers, and I can see a world where they really like his size, speed, the pace he plays with, playing alongside guys that like to get up and down the court. And Carlisle has has found su- uh, successful roles for players of his ilk before that that can defend and slash. And so, I'm a I'm a pretty I'm a pretty big believer that he'll find an NBA role. I th- I think that he could be immediate. His success could be as immediate as this season too. And see, I'm kind of torn on that one because Carlisle doesn't have a reputation for playing rookies and Kendall Brown is on a two-way if I'm not mistaken <laughs> so imagine Rick Carlisle playing a guy on a two-way a lot of minutes but you know the front office is probably you know telling him we we need to lose so that that could be that could be a possibility yeah Tari Easton makes a lot of sense um I mean he's had a phenomenal phenomenal summer and fall so far do you think that and this is the last question i've proposed this on twitter 
in a fair, like a fair, very fair camp. And let's say the NBA changed their rules. And this was like Europe where the worst team gets demoted. Does Tari Eason start for the Houston Rockets? I, I said this, I think it was last week. Maybe it was two weeks ago. We were podcasting with Sam. I said, I said, there's going to be nights and, and more of them than most people think that Tari Eason's the better player between he and Jabari Smith in their rookie years. And, and so I'm with you. I, I think, I think he very well could start. And I, I would say that like, you know, to, to further analogy, like in, in soccer and in, in Europe, there's, there's different starting lineups and sometimes you have to find the chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. And then before you find the relic, on your front doorstep. I think there's going to be many nights where they think, well, we'll, we'll be better with Tari Eason. But the, the idea is they're not competing right away. They may try to get better, but I think their, their motivation to win is less so. So I think in a fair camp, yes, Tari Eason would start um, because he makes an instant impact. He's pos- his contributions are nearly po- always positive, even if they're circuitous, circuitous routes to get there. Um, because he he makes some uncharacteristic drives that you, you'd be like, wow, I don't want to teach that to most people, but they're <laughs> successful for him. He, he rebounds. He could he could average a double double as a rookie, like even yeah. if he's off the bench, he's that active and he's got an incredible motor. Um, so, yes, I would start him. And I don't think it would be that surprising if he were to make the all rookie team and Jabari Smith Jr. did not. But I think Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be better down the road. But I would not be appalled if that were to happen. Well, that is a hot take in itself. Well, thank you so much. Shout out to each and every person that has, again, made this Locked on NBA Big World podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, Locked on NBA. That is because the NBA season is here. It starts today. And our local NBA experts and insiders have you covered on and off the court. It's been a lot of NBA drama off the court, so hopefully it's not too much. But on and off the court all season long, all the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday, and they get it done in less than 30 minutes. And it is available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I'm Rafael Barlow with my co-host, Leaf Tulane. Gave a few hot takes, nothing too scorching hot, but we covered college basketball. We covered NBA coaches and rookies. So once again, thank you for tuning in. And we are out. <laughs>